everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this morning. Good morning, Dr. Paul. We survived our opening. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody forgot a switch somewhere, uh -oh. but, but uh -oh. it could be some evil doer out there that's cutting the switches. I think it's the CIA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or SWAT teams. <laughs> we gotta oh watch my out. God. We got to watch out for them, too. <laughs> But anyway, uh, we're going to start with something that we work, some days we have to work pretty hard to come across something positive to say. And this one uh, is a little easier. Yeah. There's a statistic that we like. And, uh, you know, I was asking, how long have we been doing this program and talking about foreign policy and pro-peace things? And then I got to thinking, well, I've been thinking seriously about it since I was 10 years old, wow. <laughs> you know, because I remember World War II so well. And then, you know, it was sort of endless. And people say it's bad now, but, but just think as somebody that was well aware of war going on in 1945 and then followed quickly Vietnam, uh, Korea and then Vietnam and, yeah. and then on and on. So uh, that's not to dismiss the problems we have today, because I think even with those those times back when the wars were bigger and worse, that uh, the problems we face in foreign policy is much, much greater, much uh, more dangerous. Uh, we were sort of, uh, you know, in control of things. We had a, a dollar that was growing in value. We were the richest and we had the strongest military and we were, uh, that's what we, we used to be respected, less respect. So things have changed a lot. So uh, you can't go by saying that, well, we've learned how to stay out of war. We, we hire out countries to go in and fight our battles. You know, they're a proxy war for us. So, but uh, just in the general picture, what we want to talk about uh, is, a, is an article that Zero Hedge had out. An increasing number of Americans see foreign policy as a top issue. That's what we've been working on. And remember when we started this, and I told Daniel, you know, I remember, I said, it's good and we will be able to get support and we'll raise money, but it's, it's not the juiciest issue for, yeah. for most people. But uh, maybe, that's, maybe that's a bad sign right now because we have had some generous uh, individuals helping us out. And, uh, and that, is, that has been good and it keeps us going. But the, uh, the whole thing is, is uh, uh, we, we have to keep the programs going. And, and I'd like to think uh, that uh, we've had and some subtle influence on this issue of uh, looking at foreign policy and looking at non-intervention. But, uh, you know, somebody might say, yeah, well, you, your numbers have grown and you're doing a job and a lot of people like what you're doing. But if you compare it to the big guys, I mean, they, they don't talk about uh, tens of thousands. And we, we've had some programs over 100, oh, uh, over 10,000. Yeah. And uh, so it's small compared to others. But uh, I would like to think about, uh, you, you know, the, um, the, the growth of influence. I think of the audience as being more sophisticated, more interested in, in people that uh, are issue-oriented and will spread the message. Yeah. So we don't know how many people reached. And uh, so we can't claim, we can't claim any 
any any credit for. We woke up the country, and we have to wake ourselves up first. <laughs> so anyway, this was this was good news that uh, more and more people are seeing it, and uh, there's diff different reasons though. What what if what if the people are waking up because they want to, de to defend country B, and we think that uh, we should uh, support country A, which is the USA. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's that's a big thing that's going on. But anyway, there's a, been a sentiment change and uh, we've talked about it before it might be just an economic situation because why are we doing this fighting these wars and and, and spending hundreds of billions of dollars uh, when we have trouble at home yeah. you know we're losing the war at home uh, war for, uh, for our liberties and the borders and protection so that's uh, that is a that is a big difference and I think that uh, right now the people are waking up to looking at foreign policy and uh, what in foreign policy includes and why it is so important. Policies are instrumental. Wars are come and go and people precipitate them and then they have all these uh, reasons but they never ask the right questions and they never figure, well, maybe Maybe the, our government hasn't gone to war like we were supposed to. We, maybe we were supposed to be more cautious, you know. So if we wouldn't spend money overseas unconstitutionally or getting involved in wars that are unconstitutional, uh, the world would be a different place. And maybe we're approaching that time where the people are starting to, uh, to wake up and say, boy, maybe we've overdone it. Maybe we ought to stay home for a while. Yeah, let's put up that first clip because this is what we're talking about. The origin was really was the uh, Libertarian Institute. Uh, and this is Kyle Anzalone, uh, and we, we, we caught it on Hedge, we caught it on Antiwar.com. But it's a fascinating article, and it's written based on a new AP NORC poll. Uh, if we go to that next clip, the title, of course, is An Increasing Number of Americans See Foreign Policy as a Top Issue. And uh, from the article, it says, The Associated Press Survey found that about 4 in 10 U.S. adults named foreign policy topics in an open-ended question that asked people to share up to five issues for the government to work on for the next year. Last year, only 18% of Americans said foreign wars were a top issue. And that's, uh, that's a big deal because you're looking at a doubling of Americans who now have foreign policy on their radar. Now, does that mean that all of a sudden a massive tide has come over to the non-interventionist mm -hmm. perspective? No, but what it means is Americans are now paying attention. They've seen $100 billion flushed down the toilet called Ukraine war. They've seen inflation go through the roof because of the printing of dollars uh, to give to these wars. They've seen the, the, the threat of World War III as we go to Russia's doorstep and give the weapons to Ukraine and say, here, fire them into Russia. This is a great idea. And now we're seeing in the Middle East a horrific war, which is flattening an entire population and all of the weapons are coming from the United States. And so that's what I think that we're seeing. And I think that's why they are waking, waking up and awakening. And, you know, Lenin was evil, but he was also brilliant. And uh, one of the things he said is the worse, the better. And as much as I hate to think of it this way, Biden has been so bad on foreign policy. His foreign policy has been so horrible. He's been enmeshed in wars the entire time he's been president. He's been sleepwalking as the neocons grab the controls, the hardcore neocons, the Victoria Newlands, the Brett McGurks, and all these guys grab the <coughs> reins and are running this show and running us into the ground. And they're doing such a bad job that it almost fulfills what Lenin said. The worse he does, 
the better it is for us because it's an opening for us to make the case for non-interventionism. So there is a silver lining in this, I think. Well, I think that's what happens when terrible things here ha happen here at home. And you say, well, if they do that, that policy, say it's immigration policies or domestic uh, welfare problems at home and all the you know, demonstrations. And then they, they don't really seriously ask the question, well, why do we do it? Why do we get involved in these foreign adventurism? And why do we uh, do the domestic policy? And very close to what you just said is that a, a proper position from the Marxists is that for us to install what we believe should be proper government, and some of them actually believe it, that, that anything related to individuals, uh, you know, making their own up their own minds about how to run their lives, they're, they're against. And the best way is to cause chaos in our streets. And if you look at it, there's, there's so many things that happen. Why would they do this? It's so, it's so stupid. But then again, you alluded to the fact, well, maybe there's a strategy. Yeah. And whether it's in foreign, foreign policy or domestic policy, is we, we want to cause chaos. And, uh, and we, we have that, but we keep seeing people getting fed up and uh, sort of a race, I think. Yeah. We better expand more rapidly. I love the fact that seeds have been sown and people are shifting, but we have to move it quickly. And, uh, but, but that was one thing is, as a, as a minor incident, uh, you know, the uh, COVID situation, you know, a few people here and there objected and finally truth broke out, you know, and there's been an, expose, an explosion of interest. And now the people who are documenting this are saying, you know, it's criminal. And yet there's still people, still the doctors are still doing it. You know, the hospitals and all. So that doesn't make any sense. You have to, what is their motivation? So that's, that's a, a bewildering uh, question that we have to ask. Oh, absolutely. Well, let's look at a couple of other <coughs> Sorry, statistics from the article. Now, this is from the AP piece writing up the article, if we can put this next one on. Um, now, they say that longstanding economic worries still overshadow other issues, and that's to be expected. Um, but they go on to say, but the new poll's findings point to increased concern about U.S. involvement overseas. 20% voiced that sentiment in the poll versus 5% a year ago. So the number of the percentage of people who are expressing concern about our involvement overseas has quadrupled from 5 to 20%. That is significant. And if I were Biden's people, I'd be worried. Now let's go, go to the next clip. This is jumping back to the um, Libertarian Institute's write-up because they start talking about other poll numbers and they say President Biden is struggling in recent polling. Two demographics that Biden won in 2020 now prefer Trump. And I found this shocking, Dr. Paul. A USA Today poll found Trump at 39% ahead of Biden at 34 among Latino voters. Trump winning Latinos. And the other one is the trend was repeated among young voters who preferred Trump 37 to 33. And this is the other important point, and we've <coughs> talked about this on the program, Dr. Paul. Younger voters are the most likely Americans to object to President Biden's support for the Israeli war against Palestinians in the besieged Gaza Strip. As the Israeli military operations in Gaza indiscriminately kill and starve Palestinian civilians, more Americans are protesting Biden's support for Tel Aviv. Uh, so this, uh, the, the president has been recently confronted with chance of genocide Joe. 
So, you know, there is a sort of a concept that the younger voters may be more liberal-minded, they would go for Biden, but you're seeing a real shift now, and you're seeing him losing that young demographic to Trump. I find that astonishing, uh, and it's not to say that Trump is more even-handed when it comes to it. He's, he's, his preferences in the Middle East are pretty clear. However, there must be a sense that he could be some more, more competent in the way he handles yeah, it. Yeah, and I think your point that Biden is probably worried, and a few people to have a job under Biden, yeah. they're worried too. But I don't think the uh, people who uh, are the, really managing affairs in the deep state, you know, whether, whether you're chairman of the Federal Reserve or whatever, the military industrial complex, because generally speaking, they're really well, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, protected. They say, well, you know, it doesn't matter. We'll have this contest, but we always have the alternative. We're going to control the alternative. And they've gone nuts yeah. because they haven't been able, no matter what they do, uh, the more they cheat and lie and steal, and 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 uh, the 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 more popular Trump it, it yeah, becomes. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So that that's it. the alternative. There's there's no no uh, for for them. They don't have their alternative, and that's why they're throwing everything at them when they're now just begging and pleading. Well, we have to be tough now. If we can't stop him just fair and square by lying about him, yeah. what we have to do is stop him by getting the courts to make sure that if so-and-so says he shouldn't be on the ballot, erase his name. Yeah. You know, that's the absurdity of it all. And I think they are worried, but maybe more so because they have less less control, and that individual is Trump. Yeah. You know, and uh, like you say, we we don't endorse a lot of that stuff oh, because yeah. because <clears throat> we want we want a much uh, clearer vision about non-interventionism. Yeah, and I think for us, and I know you've been doing it a long time, I think that's the frustration that we have because there is this great opportunity and, and, and you know, for us to explain it doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to spend all of these trillions of dollars to enrich the military-industrial complex and to enrich the careers of the neocons. Yeah. There is an alternative. It's called non-intervention. But it's difficult. You know, you still run up against the, the Albright mentality. We are the indispensable nation. We see further than other nations. Therefore, we must get involved in everything. You know, where the retort would be, well, the proof is in the pudding. Where have we gotten involved where things have turned out better than they were when we started? Libya, Iraq, Iran in 53. I mean, where is it better? You know, so, so maybe there's an alternative. I just wish myself personally I were better able to explain it to people. <laughs> But you know what will come and is around all the time because if you uh, talk the way we talk, what they do, they throw the word out. You guys are just way off the base because you're a bunch of isolationists yeah. and that's what causes wars. You got to you got to be engaged in the world. Yeah. But you you know the truth is the isolationism comes from what we're doing because we become more isolated with all the wealth and prosperity we had and and they can reserve currency of the world and yet we're still losing that. And uh, the one thing that we, uh, you know, in a free society that you don't lose, you don't become isolationist. Well, you really open up your doors to ideas and travel and people going back and forth and trade. You know, there, there was a movement 10, 20 years ago. It seemed like you couldn't get very many economists. Rarely could you get one saying, we need more trade barriers. We need tariffs yeah. and all that. But now, look, they, they use that a lot. So, but in the free market, you don't have isolationism. You have isolation.
isolationism, when you do bad things in foreign affairs and the world isolates them, uh, us from them. Yeah, and our relationship with China is a perfect example. Engage is a good word. When we are engaged commercially, it prevents war. You don't want to go to war with your customers. But when we're engaged militarily, it promotes war, which is what we've been doing in the South China Sea. Right. So yes, we're all for engagement. It's just a different kind of engagement. That's what the one that prevents war. So let's move on to another very important topic and one that's very close to both of our hearts because we feel very strongly about it. And go to that next clip. This is from uh, Dave DeCamp wrote this up on antiwar.com. We thank Dave uh, for his diligent work on this. Um, Bill introduced in-house calls for U.S. to drop charges against Julian Assange. In a resolution introduced last month in the U.S. House, calls for the U.S. to drop the charges against WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, who faces up to 175 years in prison if extradited to the U.S. convicted for journalism that exposed U.S. war crimes. And the, um, now this bill is a sense of Congress bill, and as many of our astute readers or viewers know, uh, that doesn't have the force of law, but expresses the sense that Congress does not view this uh, as something that should be prosecuted, and as such it carries weight. It carries the persuasive power of Congress over to the issue. And what's neat about this bill is that it is absolutely bipartisan, it was introduced by uh, uh, Representative Paul Gosar, who is a dentist, I believe, and we knew him back when you were in the House. Um, Thomas Massey is on the bill. Um, but also some of our, uh, one, at least one of our old friends from the, from the time on the Democratic side. Um, and uh, who was it again? It Jim. was uh, uh, Jim McGovern. Jim yeah, McGovern. we worked with him a lot. He was on, and he's the top co-sponsor right yeah, now, and yeah. a couple of d Democrats on there. So now, can we declare bipartisanship yeah. for this now? You yeah, know? yeah. Eventually, it has to be. You have to get people to come over, and all we'd have to do is tinker around uh, with uh, about the Democrats. They used to be really the the group that wanted to stop the wars. They were the ones that were anti-war in the '60s. Yeah. But uh, but no, I think. Uh, I think this is a great that he's put this uh, in, and I hope they get a vote, and I hope they do well. So, you know, we don't do talk, much talk about, you know, contacting your congressman, yeah. but uh, we, we should do our best to, you know, get the message to the voters because the vote is, you know, it's a system that isn't something we brag about, but at times it, it reflects public opinion. So if that is done, uh, if there's a good vote for this, it will make a difference. Uh, be, and like you, a lot of things you were pointing out was just an attitude of the people yeah. shifting. So uh, whether they've shifted enough to uh, vote the right way is a big, big question. Yeah, and you know, we don't spend a lot of time telling people to endorse a bill because we're as a 501c3 we're not allowed to we're allowed to do it up to 25 percent of the time i think we do it probably one percent or maybe 0.1 percent of the time uh, but there are times where we do encourage it and the bill is uh, hres 934 uh, and, and i'm going to fact when we finish the show i'm going to write to our representative randy weber and i'm going to ask him to co-sponsor the bill uh, very politely as what you should do um, but you can go to your the, the page of the website of your representative uh, you could also call 202-224-3121 and have them connect you with your representative and very politely ask them to co-sponsor it. Journalism shouldn't be a crime. And it's a great bill because it's, it really is bipartisan. How often when you see uh, Representative Gosar and Elon Omar on the same bill? Not very often. Uh, so I think that's a good sign. So we're very encouraged. I did have one other clip that I pulled from it, if we can put that on, because I just want to... Um, make a point that if we go back one actually 
that there is a time factor on this, and that's we can't forget to do that. Um, and this is from the this is from uh, Dave's article. <coughs> Assange, who's been held in London's Belmarsh Prison since 2019, has a hearing scheduled at the UK High Court on February 20th and 21 to appeal his extradition to the U.S. That's why it's important for people to get this passed in Congress ahead of this hearing. That'll send a message to the government in the U.K. that Congress is paying attention and they don't think he should be prosecuted for this. You know, during some of my campaigning uh, in, in the presidential races, I came up with a slogan out of thin air because I believed it and the crowds loved it. And I said, it's not complicated. Freedom is popular. Yeah. And we could add peace is popular because exactly. when you have your freedom, you're more likely to have some peace. But yes, and, and how do you influence people when you don't have the government to tell us what to do? You do it through volunteerism. You try to influence people. And right now, we're not doing a very good job. I mean, just this whole thing, how, how we, uh, you know, assassinate uh, leaders of other countries. Yeah. And gee, that, uh, that is not a good example. I'll not tell you. at all. Well, here's, I mean, I want to end on a downer note, but <clears throat> this is why it's so important. Excuse me. If we can go to the next clip. Now, this is from, uh, the, what is it called? The Dissenter, right? Is that the article? I mean, that's the publication. Um, <coughs> yeah, The Dissenter. Now, this is something that we saw uh, linked on antiwar.com. From prison, Assange expresses regret that WikiLeaks can no longer expose war crimes. Now, that got both of our attention. We said, what are they talking about? What are they talking about? Well, unfortunately, this is what he's talking about if you go to the next clip. Now, he spoke with a journalist from uh, The Nation uh, who visited him in prison. And uh, unfortunately, this is what, uh, we, uh, what Assange told him. Um, because the journalist Glass, he said this is the time, important time for WikiLeaks because of the Gaza siege and Ukraine and all this. And uh, from the article, however, Assange shared his regret that, quote, WikiLeaks is no longer able to expose war crimes and corruption as in the past. He believes the U.S. government's war on WikiLeaks had a considerable impact in convincing whistleblowers to steer clear of submitting documents to the organization. Uh, that, Dr. Paul, suggests that, at least for now, the bad guys have won. Yes, and we'd love to reverse that. Um, and, and when the real problem started aggressively, it was under, this is quoting, under CIA Director Mike Pompeo. Boo. Uh, boo, the boo. agent, the agent, <laughs> The agency labeled WikiLeaks and this is more quotes from him, non-state hostile intelligence service and uh, treating WikiLeaks as a rival spy service enabled the CIA to do, to offensive, to do offensive counterintelligence operations free of oversight. Yep. And All on their own. that was not very civil libertarian. It wasn't very constitutional and it wasn't, it doesn't make any sense unless you're looking for trouble. Yes, absolutely. And that's where, so, so yes, Assange is one individual, but he's been, he's been, you, you might, you know, someday ask why, why, why do they have to do this? Yeah. You know, uh, and his, I think he truly was just producing material, yeah. you know, uh, as a journalist. He's not even an American citizen yeah. and we can do that. That's more arrogance than a lot of people can tolerate. Well, they do it because, as all authoritarian thugs, they want to discourage the others. And yeah. right now, they've succeeded. Nobody wants to end up like poor Julian Assange. Nobody wants to end up. And if you read the article. It's, you can link to it on antiwar.com for our, for our viewers. It goes through some of the horrific things. If you go to, um, apparently, he's just as wide as a ghost because he never sees sunlight. 
He has never, even his one hour of exercise, he's inside. And so he's white as a sheet. For me, at least, I get depressed in the winters in Texas because I've got to see the sun. I can only imagine for four, so four and some years, four years he's been like this. Go to that next clip. I think it's two clips over. There we go. Uh, no, no, one, one more over. Uh, one more over. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So this is what I wanted to mention this. Um, this is uh, the journalist Glass. He said, Julian had thought prison meant communal meals at long tables, as in the movies, he recalled. Bell Marsh's warders shoved the food into the cells of prisoners to eat alone. It's hard to make friends that way. He's been here longer than any other prisoner aside from an old man who served seven years to his four and a half. And he goes on, the prison let Assange have a radio only after Glass was prepared to publicize the fact that Hezbollah allows hostages to have radios. So even Hezbollah will let his, their hostages have radios. And here, His Majesty's prison wouldn't let Assange. And the dis- description of the food is worse than you can imagine, the kind of stuff he's eating. So no wonder he's not healthy, he's not feeling well. Four and a half years of this isolation. You know, this, uh, this whole thing is so bad, morally speaking. And uh, when, when they, during the, during the Middle Eastern Wars, under Bush, torture became, you know, commonplace. Normal, yeah. And it's probably still being used. Matter of fact, this is, this is an example torture, of yeah. it. P- finding some non-citizen who wrote some stuff, telling the truth, and uh, we didn't like it. And this is literal torture. But uh, back in the old days when we didn't, we, 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 didn't uh, we, we weren't feeding people, they just waterboard them. Can yeah. you imagine? It just makes sick when yeah. they think they waterboard one his I, I don't know what he did, but they waterboard him like 30 times? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you say, well, he, he was a bad guy. You have to punish him. No. I, I see it a different way. What, what I'd like to know is the final conclusion. What if you're the guy that waterboards somebody for 30 times yeah. and, and, and bring him to the inch away from death? What is the guy that does this? How does he live the rest of his yeah. life? Maybe he'll have nightmares or yeah. something. And he would deserve the nightmares. Yeah. What, a, what a tragedy. It is. It is. You're right. They're all, you know, they're all drugs and alcohol problems. You know, it's a, it's a misery uh, for them. As you say, they're probably is they probably deserve it to a degree. Um, and I'm going to close out. If you can put that last clip on, I don't do it very often, but the Ron Paul Institute has uh, we launched a new website. I think it's really clean and really easy to read. I like the old one because I'm sentimental. But however, on our new site, it's very easy to sign up for updates. Um, and I will put a link in our description <coughs> where you can just go and subscribe, uh, stay connected, join the Ron Paul Institute's email list. We need to bump up our email list because we never know what will happen. We want to be able to stay in touch and keep you updated. You are not going to get an email from me every day bothering you. Trust me. Uh, We're very sparing. We know that your time is precious and valuable, but we try to write an update to give you an idea of what's going on and just some commentary uh, on world affairs in addition. I'll put a link in here, but it's easy to subscribe. We've got to keep in touch with each other. Over to you, Dr. Paul. Very good. You know, and this is uh, an important week for obvious reason, the things that we've uh, just talked about. 
And uh, it's important for everybody to be engaged and participate, especially with this uh, issue of Assange, whatever you can do to notify elected leaders. I think that's important. But also the whole issue of uh, non-intervention and troops. And we are getting, and we've, this is what we've mentioned several times, people are saying, why are we spending over $100 billion worrying about the borders in Ukraine when most people in this country can't find Ukraine on the map? And they say, yes, but I, I, well, you say you live in Texas and you have an immigration problem? No, they live in New York City and they have an immigration problem. And all of a sudden, and, and the amount of money they spend on there, just outrageous, it's criminal. Because as far as I'm concerned, the money that you put into these issues that uh, are unconstitutional and dangerous for us, it's, uh, it, it should not only be illegal, but it's very, very dangerous. Uh, to do this, and it'll it'll eventually uh, bring on bankruptcy. So there are a lot of events, and we're going to keep up with them. And I uh, I think it's important for our all of us to do our best to understand the issues, because uh, the biggest job that I personally have is uh, is to make sure my source of information is is correct. But, uh, you know, oh, and then all of a sudden Hillary or, or somebody like Hillary will set up a truth bureau. Oh, well, we, somebody has this truth bureau. And then I think of the commissions that are set up to seek out the truth about the terrible things that we have done and, uh, and, and suspected of doing. And, uh, but I came, I've come to a conclusion, yes, look into it and look for the truth. But the odds of you getting the truth, uh, especially the one that hits my um, hits my mind right now, is the uh, Kennedy Commission, the Dulles Commission, and that that was, as far as I'm concerned, just a cover up. So. Commissions are generally set up to pretend they're going to seek the truth, punish the people who did something wrong. And, uh, and the truth is, it's either covering up mistakes or hiding some malicious interests and activities that the government has been doing. So seeking out the truth is, is very important. That's why looking for journalists, uh, and this is also the reason that Sassange has been punished so much. Because he, he, his crime was he was telling the truth and letting, letting people know what was going on. We're a real tragedy. A republic can't exist if truth is so viciously punished. We'd like to change that. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.